Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold, and it is that time of the week, which I get so excited for. That's our Old Testament series. We've been at it now for months and months and months and months. Dr. Peter Kapsner and I are always excited to welcome our guests. And today, Peter, welcome, by the way. Thank you. All right. Today, we're going to talk about Esther. Now, Esther is some Jewish maiden who became, what, Queen of Persia and then rescued her people from a, a murderous plot to annihilate them. Now, can there be much there? <laughs> no, it seems like a relatively boring story. I don't know how we came across this story. I don't know either. Well, well known and not a lot of intrigue to it. So, I mean, we'll see if our guests can tease out some information for an hour today, but there's not a lot of material to work No, nah, there's not, not not much there. This might end up going 10 minutes and then we're done. So hard to say, <laughs> hard to say. But is this not one of the books that, that God does not mention once in it? Is that one of those books? This is, and I would imagine we'll get a question along those lines, or maybe our, our guests can address that. But, you know, the, the Jewish people also, they, um, they, they didn't always have to say the name of God to be aware of God. I mean, they, they were definitely God's chosen people. And so they tell stories about how people stood in the gap often. And, and Esther is one of these very redemptive people who stood in the gap on behalf of other people, even if she was going to perish in the effort. Yeah. So Peter and I have been doing this Old Testament series now for seven or eight months. And Peter, I, I pray every week, you know, I pray, you know, God, who do you want on the program? Ironically, he never says us, uh, but, you know, we're, we're here anyway. <laughs> but he always says Jared Stevens. So isn't it nice we get him back because uh, he came on and talked about Elijah. And I think I listened to that, that uh, hour of, Three or four times. There was so much to yeah. learn. He crushed it on that. It's yeah. so easy to listen to and, and just really brings the stories to life. Can't wait. Yep. He's senior pastor of Champion Forest Baptist Church in Northwest Houston, and he also was the uh, uh, former teaching pastor of Prestonwood Baptist in Plano, Texas. He's written a number of books, uh, The Always God, He Hasn't Changed, and You Are Not Forgotten. And his debut book was The Mountains Are Calling, Making the Climb for a Clearer View of God and Ourselves. Just absolutely delighted to have him back on the show. Jared, welcome. Bill, thanks so much for having me. And uh, Peter, a good afternoon, evening, morning, whenever somebody's <laughs> listening to this. Uh, it's great to be back on with you guys. Always love being with you. Yeah. Now, the book of Esther, uh, you know, is something I don't know how much I've studied in my life, but I think I'm going to learn a whole lot tonight, so I can't wait to dig in. Yeah, well, I hope so. You know, the the Old Testament, I'm telling you, as you've been doing your study, I mean, it's just full of great stories. You, you read them and you think, how you can't make this stuff up. And uh, I think Esther's one of those stories. So I'm excited about uh, the opportunity just to try to bring it to life uh, a little bit. Yeah. Well, let's start with who Esther was. I mean, she was a, a Jewish maiden who rose to became the queen of Persia. I mean, do tell that story. I certainly will. And, you know, Esther's one of many, you know, one of the things I love about Scripture, Bill, is how it elevates uh, women and the role of women. Uh, you know, uh, you think about great uh, ladies in the Bible. I mean, the first woman created Eve. You had Sarah, 
Abraham's wife, the mother of Isaac. You had Rebecca and and then Jochebed, the mother of Moses. Uh, then you have people like Hannah and Deborah, the judge. You go into the New Testament, incredible women of faith, uh, such as Mary and Elizabeth, and then Phoebe, uh, who is that trusted uh, leader in the New Testament church. And I just, you know, I highlight this at the beginning just to say that women play a special role in Scripture, and uh, they certainly play a special role in all of our lives today. And so uh, when you talk about Esther, and uh, if you didn't know the story or don't know the story, we're going to tell it here just a, uh, just throughout our hour today. Uh, but I'm telling you, you, it could be a Netflix original. <laughs> uh, I mean, it has it has everything uh, that you can imagine that's needed for a great movie. And uh, speaking of Netflix, I don't know about you all, but you know, coming out of COVID, and I remember back into the quarantine days, man, I did a whole lot of movie watching. And uh, some of those great movies, most movies, they have a great plot. They have great character development. They tell a great story. And this is Esther. And so uh, what I want to do is just set it up this way. And, Bill, I want you to just stop me or Peter anytime you need to. I know we're going to have to go to a commercial break every now and then. But I'm going to break this up into Love three it. different acts. And uh, I'll set it up as we go throughout the day. But uh, you're talking about a story that's filled with heroes and villains. You have royalty involved. There's deception, a plot to murder an entire people group, the Jews, and right in the middle of it is this queen by the name of Esther uh, who ends up saving the day. And so uh, I say we go ahead and get started, and I'll start with just giving you the setting. Uh, the story takes place in uh, a place called Persia, which we know is modern-day Iran. If you're familiar with Bible history, our listeners, in 586 B.C., uh, as far, part of the judgment of God, the Babylonians, under the leadership of King Nebuchadnezzar, captured Jerusalem and ended up enslaving the Jewish people. And when a foreign country would enslave uh, the Jewish people, they would oftentimes exile many of them and take them back uh, to the conquering country, uh, what we know as the Persian Empire. And for 70 years, uh, we're told that the Jewish people, they live in this foreign land and we know a uh, number of them will ultimately return and help rebuild Jerusalem. Uh, we read that story in the Old Testament book, Ezra and Nehemiah. But it's just amazing to think about, you know, 70 years uh, in captivity, exiled in a foreign land. That's a long time. And, you know, there were obviously a number of Jews that chose not to return to their homeland for a number of, number of reasons. Some had probably adjusted to the culture. Uh, that was They were born there uh, 70 years. Some of them, that's all they knew. Uh, some, because of family reasons, health reasons, wouldn't be able to make the trip all the way back to Jerusalem. And then others, uh, you have to imagine, had taken jobs or risen to prominence in their circles of influence, and they chose not to go back to Jerusalem. For whatever reason, there were a lot of Jews uh, that did not return. They stayed behind in Persia, and it was after a number of years passed that Esther steps on the scene. Now, the people in this story uh, that we have in this Old Testament book, and keep in mind, uh, you know, the book of Esther is only 10 chapters long, so it's not a very uh, big book, but it tells a big story. The people in this story, truly amazing. You talk about character development of a movie. I'm going to give you the main people before we get in the acts, uh, the three acts, but here are the main people. There are four main characters, okay, and some of them are, are pretty hard names. You got King Ahasuerus, uh, his Greek name is Xerxes, uh, King Xerxes. He ruled for 21 years, and at the time that this story of Esther is taking place, 
He's in his third year of ruling the Persian Empire. And so this is a huge empire, okay? We're talk, talk, think all the way from India to Ethiopia. Uh, this is world dominant at the time. And the king, uh, King Ahasuerus, King Xerxes, he is a pagan playboy, okay? He loves power. He loves pleasure. Uh, this is the king that you're going to uh, be uh, reading about as we go throughout this story, okay? Mm-hmm. The second character in this story is a man by the name of Haman. And uh, he, just like any good story, Haman is a true villain. And if those of you that are listening to me as you drive down the road, whenever you hear the word Haman, uh, you just need to, you know, if you want to participate with us, just booing, okay? Just jeering. Every time you hear the word Haman, just cry out. Boo. I'm in. I'm totally in. <laughs> You know, his nickname, if you need a nickname, I call him Horrible Haman, Uh, just evil to the core. He was in a position of trust with the king. Eventually, he was promoted to the second highest position in the king's court, extremely powerful, extremely influential. And by the way, uh, Haman hated the Jewish people primarily because of the actions of the next person we meet. And this was a man by the name of Mordecai. Now, Mordecai is a Jew, descendant, of course, to one of those exiled Jews from years before, and his home is Persia. And while we don't know much about Mordecai's upbringing, there's no doubt uh, that his parents and grandparents raised him to respect and honor his Jewish roots. We know this because we're going to see him getting some hot water with horrible Haman. I hope you're booing him right now. <laughs> Boo. uh, when he re- yeah, There you go. Uh, he's going to get in some hot water with Haman because he refuses to bow down to him. Mordecai plays a huge role in the book of Esther, helping to spoil a plot against King Xerxes and mainly by helping to raise up, coach up, and inspire the story of this, uh, the star of this story, which is Esther. And Mordecai is Esther's older cousin that raised her. In fact, Esther chapter 2, verse 7 says that he, Mordecai, was bringing up Hadassah, that is Esther, the daughter of his uncle, for she had neither father nor mother. The young woman had a beautiful figure and was lovely to look at. So that gives us a little insight about Esther. And when her father and mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. And so Esther, her name, Bill, are you ready for this? It actually means star. Oh, wow. Are. Mm. And it makes perfect sense because she shines like a bright midnight star in this story. And uh, it's amazing to think that Esther, who starts out as an orphan, rises to be the queen of the Persian Empire. And uh, I think it's just important to note before we get into these three major acts and before we probably have to take our first break that, you know what, you think about that. Here she was an orphan that that rises to be the queen of the Persian Empire. It's just a lesson that your past doesn't define you. You know, Uh, don't let how you were raised or what happened to you as a child continue to negatively influence your life and the decisions that you make. Um, you, You just take confidence that God is in control of your life. And I don't know why he allows certain things to happen to us at certain times in our life. But I do know this, that he is writing the story and he can be trusted. And so, you know, we read on the uh, that Esther lost both a mom and a dad. On the surface, it doesn't make sense. Was it an accident? Was it a health crisis? What was it? Uh, I'm sure it affected her throughout her whole life. Uh, but the lesson is uh, we can trust God for what he allows to enter into our life, even though we may not understand it. And 
we can praise God uh, for somebody like Mordecai stepping up and adopting her into his home and raising her as his own. Uh, it's just, again, another lesson, another preaching point, if you will. We're all adopted into the family of God. And I love reading these stories of adoption because we have so many great advocacy centers and people listening to this radio who have adopted. And uh, how wonderful it is to know that families are bringing in children. And what an encouragement uh, the example of Mordecai gives us. He had no idea when he took little Esther in that she would one day be the queen of the entire empire. That's amazing to think about, isn't it? Oh, yeah. This is better than Netflix. Seriously. It is better. I am loving this, but I do need to take my first break. When we do come back, uh, we're going to continue our study of Esther. Dr. Jarrett Stevens is our guest, and Peter and I will be right back with Jarrett in just a minute. Dr. Jared Stevens, as Peter Kaffner and I continue our study in Old Testament characters, we are talking about Esther today. And I must say I had a request today on the text line, unlike anything I've ever had. <laughs> I'm looking forward to this. I genuinely am looking forward to this. <laughs> How about this, Jared? I got this comment. Hey, Bill, can you please pronounce Haman's name the way you think Jerry Lewis would pronounce it? That's the way I hear it in my head. Hey, Haman! Nice lady! <laughs> There it is. That was very solid. I got to give you props on that one. Uh, thanks. Thanks. All right. Now I'm going to stop Funny. blushing and we can carry on with Esther. <laughs> That's great. Well, let's carry on. We go to Act One. And if I was putting a title by Act One, I would just entitle it this The Sovereignty of God. Uh, it's interesting to note, uh, Bill, that uh, the book of Esther, not one time is the name of God mentioned. And uh, I know you and Peter were talking about this before we came on. Uh, it's very interesting. There's not a divine title mentioned, nothing that even refers to God in the whole book. In fact, uh, in studying for this uh, little lesson, uh, you know, many of the early church fathers, they didn't even want to include the book in the Old Testament canon of Scripture because of this, because it didn't mention God. However, uh, just because it doesn't mention God's name, does not mean that God is not seen when you read the book. Because as you read this story, while his name might not come off the literal page of Scripture, it is on every page. I assure you, in fact, John Wesley, he said this, that the name of God is not found in this book, but the finger of God is directing so many minute events for the deliverance of his people. And that's why I'm calling this act one, the sovereignty of God. You can't tell the story of Esther without seeing it, starting with how she became queen. Now, we don't have much time to go into it, and I don't certainly don't want to be crass, but just you know, think about the show The Bachelor, okay, because that's pretty much how it worked out. Uh, King Ahasuerus Xerxes has a beauty contest after his first wife makes him mad, and uh, out of all the women in the world, brings in. Esther wins this beauty contest, if you will, and she becomes queen. She gets the rose. And uh, this isn't chance. It's not just because she's beautiful. 
After all, you want to, who gave her her beauty? <laughs> God did. Uh, who moved into the king of uh, King Xerxes to have this contest? God did. Uh, Proverbs chapter 21, verse 1 says, The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. Uh, Proverbs 16.33 says, The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. Again, you see the sovereignty of God. You see his divine hand moving the chess pieces of life as the drama unfolds. Let me give you some more examples. I'm going to read this from Esther chapter 2. Verses 21 through 23. In those days, as Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Bigthan and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs who guarded the threshold, became angry and sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. And this came to the knowledge of Mordecai, and he told it to Queen Esther. And Esther told the king in the name of Mordecai. And when the affair was investigated and found to be so, the men were both hanged on the gallows. And it was recorded in the book of the Chronicles in the presence of the king. Now, it was no coincidence that Mordecai was sitting at the gate and heard this. Again, the sovereignty of God. God is orchestrating this divine plan. And you'll see why this is being recorded in the book of Chronicles. You'll see why that's so important here in just a moment as we continue in this story. Now, it's amazing that it just so happened that Mordecai was at the gate to hear the plot to kill the king, and he spoils it. Here's another example of the sovereignty of God at work in this uh, book. You remember horrible Haman? Boo. He Boo. Mordecai. Boo. There you go. He hates him because Mordecai won't bow down to him, because Mordecai won't pay homage to him. And remember, Mordecai's a Jew, and just because he's living in Persia doesn't mean he's abandoned his faith. He's only going to bow down to God. He's monotheistic. Well, Haman sees him not bowing down, and it infuriates him. Uh, the Bible tells us in Esther 3, 5, and 6, when Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage to him, and remember Haman, he served the king, Haman was filled with fury, and he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone. So as they had made known to him the people of Mordecai, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews, the people of Mordecai throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus. So horrible Haman, he doesn't even just want to kill Mordecai. He wants to eradicate the entire Jewish people, and he goes to the king, tells his side of the story about a certain group of people not bowing down. He, he colors it, of course, and he gets permission from the king that on a certain day in the future, initiate annihilation. That was the plan, and Mordecai hears the words of the king's decree uh, that annihilation to the people who won't bow down, the Jewish people is coming. And the Bible tells us that Mordecai is beside himself. Listen to Esther chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. And again, highlight in this the sovereignty of God. When Mordecai learned all that had been done, he tore his clothes, he put on sackcloth and ashes, and he went into the midst of the city, and he cried out with a loud and bitter cry. And he went up to the entrance of the king's gate, for no one was allowed to enter the king's gate clothed in sackcloth. And in every province, Wherever the king's command and his decree reached, there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting and weeping and lamenting, and many of them lay in sackcloth and ashes, a sign of brokenness and repentance. And so now Mordecai knows he has only one place. He has to get to the queen. And Esther doesn't even disclose that she is a Jew. Hmm. And now she's the only one that can save the Jews. My point is, don't tell me what is happening is chance. 
Don't, <laughs> don't tell me it's coincidence. The fact that Mordecai raised Esther, that they are Jews, that Esther's in the place and position she is. God is sovereignly ordaining these things so that his will is done and his divine purposes are accomplished. And so don't think for a second that uh, the purposes of God are not being worked. Uh, Nothing is taking God by surprise. He is sovereign and he is in control. And I just think, you know, before we go to our next commercial break, whenever we have to, Bill, that we need to underscore the fact that whatever's going on in our life, uh, nothing is outside of the divine sovereignty and control of God. He is writing the script, and that doesn't mean we don't have free will or human responsibility is thrown out the window, uh, because you're going to see in just a moment in Act 2 that Esther has to act. She has a free will. She has to make a decision. But it gives me comfort to know that no matter what's going on in our life, no matter what's happening, everything is filtering. As a child of God, everything is filtering through God's holy hands. That's, uh, that, to me, is a tremendous encouragement. Isn't it to you? Oh, is it ever? I mean, it, that is so profound. And I love just kind of sitting on that for a second and realizing that if you just tuned in and you heard that, it is um, maybe the most profound thing you'll hear today on Faith Radio. Yeah, uh, just and, and I think you know Luther called the sovereignty of God a warm blanket to his soul, mm. and uh, I really think uh, that 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 can be said of us. That you know you can look at anything that may be happening to you. I mean, Mordecai, his whole world is crashing down upon him. His people, including himself, are going to be annihilated. And Mordecai knew it was because he wasn't bowing down, so he feels responsible for it. But I just love how God has sovereignly put this together. He's raised Esther up. Here she is, the queen. And what we're going to see in Act 2 is Esther's going to act with some courage. And uh, because of her courageous act, uh, we're going to see her save her entire people. It's amazing yeah. to see. Jared, you are a spectacular teacher and communicator. I love this, but we're going to take a short break and we come back, continue our study of Esther with Dr. Jared Stevens. He's senior pastor of Champion Forest Baptist Church in Northwest Houston. He also uh, was at the teaching pastor at Prestonwood Baptist Church in Plano. He's authored a number of books. Uh, his most recent w- one is The Always God. He Hasn't Changed and you are not forgotten. His first book he wrote was called The Mountains Are Calling, Making the Climb for a Clearer View of God and Others. But today, it's all about Esther. So we will take a short break and be right back.
We're back with our Old Testament study, and our our topic today is Esther. And if you have never studied the book of Esther before, it is coming alive. I know Dr. Peter Kapsner and I are just delighted to have Dr. Jarrett Stevens as our guest. Uh, Jarrett, I just have to do a quick mic test. Would you just say the word yes? Yes. Hey, that Peter. Better? Yeah. Hey, Peter, he just agreed to come on the show every month. How nice of a, what was, is that? <laughs> You know, amazing. It shows that he is not only biblically capable, but other-centered as well. Well, yeah. I mean, you heard him say yes, didn't you? I did. Yeah, clearly. perfect. And we have it on tape, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> we do. We're just <laughs> delighted to have you with us, Jarrett. Let's get back well, to— Well, I'm glad to be with it. Yeah. Let's get back to uh, our next uh, part two, and I think you've got three points you're going to share. Yeah, so Act 1 is the sovereignty of God, and if you're just tuning in, coming down the road, or turning it on— a podcast, we're listening to you, working out, whatever it may be. We're glad you're with us, and uh, we're talking about Esther here. And while the name of God is not mentioned in the book, the finger of God is all throughout the book, and uh, he's directing everything here. But as we were saying before we went to break, just because God is sovereign, that doesn't take away our free will or eliminate human responsibility. Uh, And we're going to see this in Act 2, because Act 1 is the sovereignty of God. Act 2 is the courage of Esther. If I had to give it a title, that would be it, the courage of Esther. Yes, God was sovereignly ordaining the events and times and places that this was going on. But at the end of the day, Esther has to make a choice. And as we will see, she makes a fearless, courageous choice. And again, I just highlight this. You know, I've got four little girls. I tell people, uh, Bill and Peter, I'm the president of my own sorority. House, okay? <laughs> uh, I, and so I love I love being a dad of these girls. And, and that's why I love a good story like Esther, because you see uh, a lady stepping up, being obedient to the Lord and uh, just making a fearless, courageous choice that honors him. And I, and I love that example that we have. Esther's servant. Uh, they see in, in the scripture that Mordecai uh, is in distress over this impending Holocaust that Haman is pursuing and championing. And they go back and they tell Queen Esther about Mordecai ripping his clothes. He's mourning. He's fasting. And she's, of course, distraught. Mordecai is the man who raised her, loved her as his, uh, as, as his own uh, was the one that said, you know, it was his idea in the first place. Is, hey, hey, go on The Bachelor and I think you'll win. And uh, many ways, in many ways, Esther owes all that she is to Mordecai. And so she knows what Mordecai wants her to do. But the, the, here's the problem. In that day and time, you couldn't just appear before a king. Uh, you had to be summoned. To go before the king and to not be summoned was the death penalty, even for the queen. And you got to keep in mind, uh, Ahasuerus, king of Xerxes, he is – uh, pagan to the core, evil to the core. He's already gotten rid of the first queen. Uh, who's to say he won't just have an easy time getting rid of Esther? And so when you read this book, chapter by chapter, you feel the tension rising. And so Esther gets word back to Mordecai that getting to the king is not going to be as easy as he may think it is. And I want you to listen to Mordecai's response, uh, because it's going to lead Queen Esther to make the most courageous fearless decision uh, that she could ever make. Mordecai says, this is in Esther chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther. Esther sends a reply. This isn't going to be easy. Mordecai replies to Esther, do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. 
For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Uh, We've heard that phrase before, maybe for such a time as this. Here's where it's rooted from, Esther chapter 4. And then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf, and do not eat or drink for three days, nights, or day. And I and my young women will also fast as you do. And then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. Listen to what Esther said. If I perish, I perish. And Mordecai then went away and did everything just as Esther had ordered him. Now, Esther here is confronted with the test of a lifetime. And I think it's very interesting to note, what does she do? She calls for fasting, which in the Scripture is a symbol of humility and dependence. Fasting in the Scripture is always coupled with prayer. And here, Mordecai and Esther are expressing faith before actually moves by faith. And so uh, this is such an important lesson. You know, if you're listening to this and you're able to write a statement down, uh, grab a pen or your phone to take a note and write this down. To be fearless, you know, to be fearless. And there's a lot of fear in our world. I think COVID has brought on such a tremendous amount of fear, fear of the future, fear of getting sick, fear of death. But here's an important lesson we learned from Esther here. To be fearless, we have to rely on faith more. Uh, To be fearless, we have to rely on faith more. Uh, To exercise our faith in big decisions like the one that Esther had to make, her life was on the line. The fearless choice first had to be soaked in faith more and more and more. And so I just say that to those listening that, While God is ultimately sovereign and in control, he gives us the freedom to make choices. And I just want to encourage uh, anybody listening that has a big decision to make. Uh, It might be a job change. It might be a relocation. You know, uh, I just got through visiting with a couple of seniors in our high school ministry. They're getting ready to make a decision on college. Or maybe there's somebody out there, a young single that's about to get married, and you've got this big choice ahead of you. I just want to encourage you to do exactly what Esther did here, and that is to pray and to fast and just show the Lord how desperate you are for him. It's exhibiting humility and exercising faith, and we know that from Jesus' teaching, mustard seed faith moves mountains. And so, you know, uh, Bill, when I was coming here to Houston, I'd been 20 years at my church in Dallas, and I'd raised my girls there, and I thought I was going to be there forever. And all of a sudden, I see God start shaking me out of my nest there. And I'm telling you, you talk about fear. I was going to have to relocate my entire life, my entire ministry. Uh, I'd met my wife in that church. The church I was coming from had been so good to me. And I remember when I was sensing God moving in my heart. Uh, I don't say this to sound super spiritual because I'm not, and I haven't done this since. But I went on a 21-day fast with the Lord, Bill. And I didn't eat anything. I just needed to pray and to seek his face. And I'm not saying it's got to be 21 days. Like I said, I'm not trying to be super spiritual because I'm praying that God never calls me to a 21-day fast again. That was hard. Uh, But you know what? It might be a meal for a day or it might be three days like Esther has here. But when we fast, uh, we're showing dependence 
and we're exercising humility, and we're exercising faith. And I just believe that when we have decisions before us, big or small, but especially these big life decisions like relocating, taking a new job, marrying someone, college, whatever it may be, we need to take those decisions seriously because they have consequences. Just because God is sovereign doesn't mean our choices don't have consequences. And we need to hear from God. And oftentimes, the best way we can hear from God is to pray and to fast, to get alone with the Lord, to hear from Him. And uh, that's exactly what Esther was doing in this moment. Uh, She was praying, she was fasting, and she was seeking God. And I just want to remind you this about fasting. We called our entire church to a time of prayer and fasting a couple of weeks ago. And uh, Jesus promises in, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, that when we fast in secret, he will reward us. And I don't know what that reward is. Sometimes I think it's more of just an awareness of his presence. Uh, Sometimes it's just uh, uh, he answers a prayer that we're praying for, specifically how we're praying it. Uh, Sometimes he answers it in other ways, but he does promise us that when we seek him in prayer and fasting, he will answer us. And so for anybody driving down the road right now, listening to this, and you've got a busy, you've got a a decision before you that's going to take some courage. You're facing a fearful situation. I think it's very important to note right here and to underscore, seek God in prayer and fasting before you make that decision, because we know that God will go before us and honor the decision to pray and fast. Uh, that's what we learn here in Act 2, uh, the courage of Esther, this decision to pray and fast and seek him. Jared, for somebody who maybe has never fasted before or done the kind of process you're describing, how would you recommend going into a fast? Uh, Do you think it's going to be a certain length of time? Do you let it kind of play itself out? And and how do you know when maybe it's time to end the fast? Any suggestions about that? Yes, great question. I'm so glad you asked it, Peter. Uh, You know, uh, the fasting and praying, uh, you know, I heard this from Chris Hodges, who's the Church of the Highlands in Alabama. I want to give credit to where credit is due. He said, prayer connects us to God, and fasting disconnects us from the world. And so, you know, in the Bible, all the fasting we see is typically from food, um, because what is more connected to the earth, to the world, than the food that comes from the earth and the world? Uh, But you know what? Uh, I talked to our church. You know, some people need to fast from social media or, or from the news. Uh, that's how they're most attached to the world. And so I don't know what kind of fast God may be calling you to. What I do tell people to do is make sure you plan it uh, and make sure you pace yourself. If you've never fasted before, don't say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go three days and not eat a meal. You know, you'll be angry and everybody that you live with will be angry with you uh, by the time you're done with that fast. Uh, it might just be, hey, I'm going to go one meal a day this week. I'm going to pick one meal out. It might be a lunch. I'm just not going to eat. I'm going to go uh, to my office or I'm going to get in my car and I'm going to go. That's what I used to do in Dallas. I'd go to my car and I would go to a, a parking garage and I'd sit there with my Bible and a book over lunch. And I would just give that hour that I would normally be eating to, to prayer and reading God's word. That's all fasting is. So I would encourage anybody listening to keep it simple. We just want to, when we pray and fast, we want to connect to God and we want to disconnect from the world. And again, it may not be food. It may just be social media. That's what I did recently. I took a week off of social media because I was so plugged into it, just decided I'm not going to do it for a week. And it was so good for me. Uh, And it was good for my mind and good for my heart. 
and uh, and and again, it may be food. That's what we see in the Bible. It could be a. Uh, there's plenty of um, articles out there that I would encourage people to look at. Campus Crusade for Christ, of course, Bill Bright was a champion for fasting. You can look at any articles out there, but it is a spiritual discipline that's not talked about a lot, but I believe it's powerful. Of course, I think Bill Bright's the one that said it's the atomic bomb of spiritual mm. disciplines, mm. praying and fasting. Oh, so that. good. So good. Let's take a little break, and then when we come back, we will do part three of our discussion on Esther. Our guest is Dr. Jarrett Stevens, and we're so glad to have him back. Uh, He spoke to us a while back on Elijah, and we begged him to do another person in the Old Testament, and he said Esther. So if you missed any of this, oh, I'm pretty sure you're going to want to hear it from the beginning and go to MyFaithRadio.com. Check out the podcast. Listen to them. I know many of you don't listen live, but you listen later in the evening, and always glad to know that you're doing that. So thank you for that. We'll be right back with more Esther. There's the horn I wait for. So glad to have Dr. Jarrett Stevens on the program today. We're talking about Esther and what a study this is, Jarrett. And boy, I I have to say this whole fasting discussion has really uh, kind of come out of nowhere for me. And it's really uh, an important discussion. And we have a lot of listeners very curious and very blessed by the comments you've made. And uh, just had a question about, you know, even someone with an eating disorder. What, What do those people do? Yeah, well, I think it goes back to um, I would say, how do you disconnect from the world? It's sure. not just food. Mm-hmm. So I, I would ask that person, you know, I would, I would, you know, we want to be holistically healthy and we want to be responsible. And so I would just tell that person to begin praying through what is something else they can fast from. Sure. And God will show them. Uh, God will show, God will show them. We had our kids, even at the church, uh, participate in fasting. And one of them said, no sugar, you know, they're not going to do any sugar. Yeah. And one of the stories from the church was one of the kids went to a birthday party, of course, and had there was cake offered, and they they said no because they <laughs> they, they had said no to sugar. And I said, well, I told their parents that next day you better have bought them. I'd have taken them and gotten them a whole thing of ice cream and just made them sick on the ice cream for being able to say no to that. But uh, so I would just say, you know, be responsible with it. But again, there are so many articles uh, that are out there on websites uh, that talk about you know biblical fast, what they look like. Uh, but I, I can't um, encourage it enough uh, to make it a, a spiritual it, – it is a spiritual discipline. Mm-hmm. You know, when Jesus speaks on fasting there in Matthew 6 and 7, um, it's right in between uh, praying and giving. And so, I mean, it's sandwiched between there. Mm-hmm. So we talk about praying all the time. We talk about giving all the time. But for some reason, we don't talk about fasting enough. And uh, fasting, I believe, can break some strongholds done well and done right. Amen. One thing you never want to fast from is afternoons with Bill Arnold. That, I'm just saying. <laughs> that's right. That's I'm right. just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah. This, this feeds the soul. 
this is good stuff right, right here. Right. So, Jared, let's get to part three of our study of Esther. So Act 1 was the sovereignty of God, and we highlighted that. Act 2 was the courage of Esther. And so Act 3 is what I'm entitling the faithfulness of God. So you have the sovereignty of God, the courage of Esther, and Act 3 is the faithfulness of God. Now here's how the book of Esther ends, and i got to warn you, this is a spoiler alert. If You have to read the whole book to really appreciate it, to understand the depth of it. Uh, you know, uh, I mentioned in that previous segment that I have four little girls. And we have been to Disney a number of times, and I have read the Disney books, and I have watched every Disney Disney princess movie you could ever imagine. (laughs) And all of them end the same way, Bill and Peter. They end with, they live happily ever after. Well, uh, from what we know in the book of Esther, uh, that's kind of how the story ends. Um, Esther makes this courageous decision by faith after a season of prayer and fasting. And she uses wisdom, uh, I think wisdom given by God in that season of prayer and fasting, to persuade the king toward her cause. And uh, no doubt is she getting a little help from the sovereign hand of God. But uh, she ultimately saves the day. And Haman, horrible Haman, is embarrassed. Ultimately, he's ultimately put to death. And as this story would have it, he's hung on the very gallows that he had prepared to hang Mordecai. And then Mordecai, remember, now he foiled the original plot against the king. And if you remember from uh, earlier, I think we read it back in Esther chapter 2, that that uh, it was recorded in the book of uh, Chronicles. Uh, it was Esther uh, chapter, uh, yeah, Esther chapter 2 is recorded in the book of uh, of the Chronicles. Well, Mordecai, the king asked to, to, to see the books. And again, this isn't a coincidence. The king hadn't looked at the Chronicles. He hadn't looked at the books in years. He didn't know what was in them. And he reads in these books that Mordecai saved his life. And so this thing comes full circle. And to reward Mordecai, the king places him in Haman's position. Ooh. Mordecai becomes the most powerful <laughs> man in the world. Yeah, you can. He, he's definitely booed now because he's dead. Uh, and and Mordecai be- becomes the most power, second most powerful man in the world. Esther chapter ten verse three. For Mordecai the Jew was second in rank in rank from King Ahasuerus, and he was great among the Jews and popular with the multitude of his brothers. For he sought the welfare of his people and spoke peace to all. His people. Unbelievable to me that Mordecai, who was about to be annihilated in a matter of days, is raised up to be the second man in control, uh, the second most powerful man in the in the world at the time. And the story ends with the Jewish nation, God's people. They're saved. They're prospering, and all of this is a sign of the faithfulness of God. They live happily ever after, sort of. Uh, you know, the Jews, the Jewish people have always uh, had an incredible time, as I believe the enemy, Satan, has tried to stamp their race out over and over and over again through the years. But again, because of God's sovereignty and because of God's faithfulness, it's never been able to happen. And so as we bring this, you know, entire story to a close, you can ask, you know, what's the purpose in all of this? What's the takeaway from 
the book of Esther. Yes, we see the sovereignty of God. Yes, we see the courage of Esther. Yes, we see the faithfulness of God. But what's the takeaway? And if I had to give a takeaway, uh, Bill, Peter, I'd give, um, I'd give you two words. One is encouragement, and the second is example. Encouragement and example. Uh, this message, what we learn from the book of Esther, should be an encouragement to us that God is sovereign, that he's in control. Uh, when we combine the sovereignty of God and his faithfulness to us, we can be encouraged. We can take heart. Uh, we can move by faith. We don't have to fear anything. We can face anything that is thrown our way because we know that God is in control and that God is faithful. Uh, you know, I think of the New Testament. I think of Jesus' words to take the message of the gospel to the ends of the earth. And when you think about that, we know the Great Commission, go into the world. But oftentimes the verse that precedes that says, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's verse 18. Verse 19 says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And you know what verse 20 says? I am with you always, even till the end of the age. So even in the Great Commission, the, the greatest words we have of Jesus in the New Testament to take his gospel to the nations, we have the sovereignty of God, all authority has been given to me, and we have the faithfulness of God. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so what encouragement to believers. Uh, it's been said that the greatest promise in all of the Bible is the promise, I will be with you. Uh, you can trace it from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Abraham is called to go to a land that he doesn't even know exists, and what does God say? I'll be with you. Um, Moses is called to go to, the pot of, uh, to Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world. He says, God, how am I going to do this? God says, I'll be with you. Uh, you get, get to Joshua when Moses' reign ends, and he passes the baton to Joshua, and Joshua says, how am I going to lead this people? And Joshua in chapter 1, we see it over and over and over again. Take courage. I will be with you. Uh, you see it with Gideon. You see it with David. Psalm chapter 23, even though I walk through the valley of shadow, I fear no evil, for you are with me. It is the greatest promise in the Bible. And uh, I just think it's a great encouragement to know uh, that nothing happens outside of God's control. Uh, and uh, he's faithful. He's with us all the way to the very end. And then the next word is an example. Uh, and we talked a little bit about this. Just as Esther sought God in prayer and fasting, we can seek God in prayer and fasting. Just as they, Esther and Mordecai made courageous decisions, we can make courageous decisions because our faith is rooted in God. And he's working his plan and purposes for our life. And, you know, I think it, it'd be good to just say right now to any and all those that are listening that one of the greatest purposes of God that he's desiring to work in your life is your salvation. If you don't know Jesus in a personal way, I'm telling you, it's no accident that you're listening to this interview right now. You're no accident you're listening to this Bible story and this Bible lesson right now. God has sovereignly ordained it. He is putting these pieces in play because he wants you to know that he loves you, that he has a plan for your life, that whatever you're going through right now, it is not an accident, even if, if it's hard, even if it's difficult. You need to know that God is allowing it into your life so that he can work his plan. And uh, even if it hurts, God can be trusted. You know, I love that quote that says, when you can't trace his hand, you can trust his heart. Mm. And God loves you. He has a plan for you. And one of the greatest purposes he has for, for your life is to know him in a personal way. 
And so like Esther, like Mordecai, I would encourage you to trust the Lord uh, with whatever you're dealing with, trust him with your heart. And just as we saw in this story, Bill and Peter, God is faithful. He'll come through every single time. And it might not be in the way that we imagine. Who would have ever imagined Esther the queen, an orphan, would be raised up to deliver the people? Mordecai, about to be hanged, uh, is now the most po- second most powerful man in the world. God does things in his way. The scripture says his ways are not our ways. His ways are above our ways. His thoughts, our thoughts. And so our job as believers is to simply trust the Lord and entrust our lives to him. And that's exactly what we learn here in the book of Esther. Mm. Jarrett Stevens, spectacular. Thank you so much mm. for doing this and coming back on the program. I can't wait to have you back on again. Honored, Bill. Thank, thank you so having. much. You bet. Dr. Jarrett Stevens has been our guest as we talked about Esther. If you missed this, oh boy, you're going to have to go back. MyFaithRadio.com. Check out the podcast. Peter, what an hour. Yeah, that man can get inside the story and Whoa. bring it to life with applications and biblical faithfulness and everything. Would really worth listening to that again. Yeah, he. Um, some of his takeaways were outstanding too. They really were. Yeah, Amazing. really good. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks again, Peter. Look forward to next time. And thank you so much for listening and supporting Faith Radio. And special hello to all of our listeners in Rapid City who just joined us. We love having you. Have a great night, everyone. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.